What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Paint Bravely podcast. Podcast where you can find a little bit of encouragement, discover ways to make your hobby a little more fun, and most importantly, learn to paint bravely. So, what's going on, Brent? What have you been doing since the last podcast? Hello. Uh, since the last podcast, I've been updating my podcast setup. So this is actually the first podcast we're recording after the first couple episodes went live. So we've got some feedback, we've got some questions, and uh, people didn't really like your drone footage, I gotta say. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I am a I am an amateur drone pilot, so, you know, it's not going to be the most professional... It was good stuff. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So for um, anyone anyone who's watching on the YouTube side of things, um, we were doing kind of each of our faces, but then the aspect ratio wasn't quite right. So it was each of our faces. And then with the remaining bit of screen space, it was kind of out of focus drone footage that Casey took last year. And uh, out of focus is harsh, man. <laughs> well, it was out of focus, but also like the focal point of the shot was obscured by our faces. Yeah. So it was just the uh, kind of the periphery of the drone footage was the periphery but, of right, this like indoors podcast about painting minis. And <laughs> I got to say, I gave you the go ahead on this. I, I thought this looked cool. That's true. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. But everyone else who was actually watching the, the video thought it was uh, distracting and it hurt their eyes. And, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Who knew video during a podcast would be distracting? Yeah. So, you know, trying to, to update the video and the sound. And off of my camera right now is a cat using a litter box. And so if you just heard some scratching, that's what that was. And, uh, you know, we work with what we got around here. But... Yeah, but, you know, playing around with where the microphone goes, where the camera goes. We're gonna we're gonna try for the videos to fill up the whole frame with our two faces, mess around with the aspect ratio a little bit, and get that on point. And working on getting the audio better. Not much I can do about the cats. You know, if I if I kick them out of the room, they're just gonna be scratching at the door instead of scratching on things in here. So I imagine that'd be much louder too. <laughs> Yeah, and there'd be more uh, meowing, and uh, it's all right, though. It's all right. So that's what's new with me. Um, living the normal life, but slightly updated the studio a little bit for the podcast. And again, we're 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 live now. The, the podcast is a real thing that people are viewing and listening to and responding to and asking questions about. So that's exciting. We're, we're living in the now. Um, we're, we're live. We're live. Yeah, it's a whole <clears throat> whole different thing now that everybody's is coming and watching. I mean, we've gotten some really good comments so far, some good feedback, like you said, and that's pretty exciting. Um, we kind of we recorded some other stuff before this episode, and we decided to basically scrap that because, you know, with this new interaction with everybody, it just felt a little more appropriate to kind of bring some of that in, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, um, we're getting better at this. We're getting we're getting ideas, and uh, the fact that people are actually listening and responding and interacting, uh, we want to get in on that as soon as possible. So today's episode, mm -hmm. yeah, we had we had some episodes already recorded that we are either going to use later or scrap forever, which is fine. Um, but <laughs> yeah. the questions that we got asked for this were just so 
on point for the kind of stuff that we want to be doing with this podcast and uh, just good conversation starters. So yeah, why not? So today's going to be some some listener questions for, for starting <laughs> points and then we're going to ramble from there. But uh, before we get into yeah. that, is there anything else new with you, Casey? Um, So I've also been trying to update camera stuff. I've been like, because I have an iMac in my space, right? So it's got the webcam built in. And that's what I use to do all my editing and all that stuff. And that's what I've been using so far to record the video side for this podcast. But I really wanted to find out a good way to use my phone. You know, because I use my phone for everything anyways. Mm -hmm. um, so I hooked my phone up to the computer and now I can monitor everything and record. So hopefully I'll be using that for the video portion of this. Um, it's a very strange setup. I wish I could take a picture, but unfortunately my phone is in use currently. <laughs> um, but like I, after I got all that stuff set up, I was thinking like, you know, this, this is a pretty sweet, like a uh, live streaming setup. So last mm. night I went and I set up a whole bunch of live streaming stuff. like got the nice, you know, background with the different windows and all the things. And then I accidentally, like, I didn't quite go live on YouTube. But something did, and I was getting messages this morning and, like, tweets saying, that like, hey, man, uh, you know, you've been going live, like, for the last eight hours. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't that's know what I did. That's a nightmare scenario right there. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what did that camera see? Anything good? Did you, you get any weird uh, comments? As far like, as yeah. I saw, there wasn't anything on there. And I deleted it immediately, but, uh, <laughs> I was unaware of the fact that it was live streaming for the most part. I was just sitting at my desk, you know, fiddling with all my crap. So if anybody saw that, it would have been pretty boring, but <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Trying to set everything up and then accidentally live streaming. Like, I'm not sure how one <laughs> accidentally live streams. <laughs> That's frightening though. Do you do you drink, Casey? Yeah. Are you do you have a have a few beers now and then? <laughs> I did not have anything to drink last night. Okay, I do but... I do occasionally uh, imbibe. But well, that's not that's more the night. question. I'm not I'm not worried so much about last night. I'm worried about the you know the next few years of your life. You're you're a little bit just a little bit internet famous mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. now. You have gone to the work to make sure <laughs> that you have the hardware and software <laughs> calibrated to be able to go live whenever mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. hit whatever that button might be. Whatever and, that uh, button was, yeah. <laughs> and you're telling me that sometimes after a, after a stressful day, you have a few beers, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Be careful. That's all I'm I saying. Mean, it's a good soapbox. I'll, I'll try, though, you know? <laughs> like, I, yeah, I think the, the thing that really got to me were, were the messages that I woke up to. Like, yeah. inboxes, you know, and, and all these things. And yeah. it's like, so, you, you planning on... Uh, streaming today and i'm like what what are you talking about <laughs> we've been <laughs> like i go to my channel and there's this live thing on there <laughs> we've been watching an empty room for the past eight hours and like, a child <laughs> wandered by but uh, we haven't seen you yet Casey. Yeah. what's going on <laughs> that's how i'm gonna do it i'm just gonna point it in the corner and and hope for the best <laughs> that's the that's the fear of live streaming like there's mm-hmm Man, there's there's just something about going live that makes it makes it uh, higher risk, more scary. You're you're living a little bit, you know. 
yeah, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, we, we do YouTube videos that are, like, mostly scripted, and we try things over and over again until we are happy with them. And you can proof-watch like, it before bit you hit the go button. Live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is my you, microphone working? Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can watch no the whole video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You watch the video, you make sure that your like your address isn't on a bill like on in minute three, you know, sitting right. on the table somewhere. You can, you know, make sure nothing nothing embarrassing is sitting out anywhere. Like you can just you have a better chance of not doing anything stupid. I you know, I saw a news article um uh, and then and then watched the the clip a little while ago of somebody who fired a gun on a live stream, on a live Twitch stream. Um if some game some gaming streamer and he was I mean, not great, but he was playing around with a handgun and it went off and it, it yeah. <laughs> I think it shot like a, a can of code red or something of Mountain Dew code red that was sitting next. <laughs> it definitely shot like a, a stupid gamer energy drink figures. sitting next to him. <laughs> right. And and he just like looks like confused and shocked for a second. Like, I, I, I didn't think there was a round in the chamber. I didn't think it was loaded. Like, don't play with guns and like. Just don't, don't, yeah, just don't play also with don't play with guns on live stream like i, I mean both of those things are true that, There's for a, sure <laughs> yeah one don't play with guns two don't play with guns when you're live streaming and just when you're live streaming in general think about what you're doing <laughs> uh, yeah i mean out of all the times to even handle a gun like while you're live streaming seems like the bottom of the list kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, you can do a lot live streaming. People get popped for all sorts of things. But like handling a gun is is usually one of those that everybody kind of understands you just shouldn't be doing. Like you're distracted. But you didn't know it was loaded? Did you check? <laughs> yeah. So on our YouTube channels, I know that at least I get a lot of comments about safety. You know, if uh, if there's a shot yeah. of me doing some airbrushing without a mask on right, yeah. or um, sometimes maybe I should be wearing gloves while I'm doing something or, or you know, by some of very conservative official safety rules, you know, I should probably be wearing gloves while I'm spray painting or something like that. And you, you mm, get comments. Mm. And so one of the most common types of comments on our YouTube channels is like little, little safety infringements. And because of that, I'm more aware of doing stupid things while I'm on camera. And I just can't yeah. even imagine, like, just pointing a handgun around my room to, <laughs> like, just... On to, camera? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On live camera to... Um, <laughs> you you got to imagine that at least some of the people watching you are less responsible than you are. And so if you... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> If you're just doing law of averages, like half of the people watching me are more responsible than me, half of the people watching are less responsible than me, and here I am waving a handgun around by it. <laughs> not great. That's not, not gonna great. Well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, that guy was uh, immediately banned from Twitch, which, uh, yeah. You know. I, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Um, well, who knows? I, I could be getting that letter. At any moment, I have no idea what was on. You don't know what happened during those eight hours. <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, uh, theoretically, my my filming space is on lockdown. Like, there's nothing in here that I 
I wouldn't even, I don't think there's anything in here I would consider embarrassing. Um, I mean, I do have a, uh, you are surrounded with plastic toys right now, Casey, you are in okay, a, you are okay. in a closet to, to a certain level. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's Nothing in here is embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> Not to me. <laughs> Not to any of us. Like I, I respect it too, Casey. It's a man's closet you got there. <laughs> man child some yeah. people would call it that yeah. <laughs> man child closet yeah i got my my red rider bb gun in here mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. actually do it's right it's right here next to me i don't know <sighs> now either of us can get our podcast and our and our podcast youtube channel right. canceled so who's it gonna be <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that was, that was accidentally live streaming, so I'm sure it'll be me. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, so you talk, you're talking about a little bit about safety. Um, you know, having those concerns come up when you're airbrushing and stuff. Um, so do you? I don't know. You don't have to answer this, I guess. Do you? Do you show yourself with a mask and then take it off immediately? No, no, I don't think so. Um, so when I'm airbrushing, sometimes I use a mask, sometimes I don't. And I have, mm. have kind of internalized the fact that it is best practice to wear a mask. If, if people are going to be watching me and if half of the people watching me are less responsible and safety conscious than I am, I really should be wearing a mask for the sake of those people. Um, mm -hmm. Whether I want to be or not, I, I am the uh, in safety inspiration for some people, so I might as well do things the right way. Now, um, yeah. for water-based acrylic paints, most of them do not have anything too bad in there. Um, the, you know, the medium itself, non-toxic. Most of the pigments these days are non-toxic. Um, some older, like red paints, will have heavy metals in there, cadmium. Um, so some of the, the pigments and dyes and especially older reds, uh, you do not want to be breathing in. Um, but mm -hmm. most modern acrylic paints, I mean, I mean, yeah, you could, you could eat them and not really need the two, uh, and contact the poison control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're not all things considered. They're not so bad. Um, you still shouldn't be breathing in particles of anything. Uh, that's still not good for your lungs. Uh, dust or droplets of paint or whatever, breathing in particles of anything is not good for your lungs. And so, yeah, best practice if you're spraying anything, wear a mask. Absolutely. Uh, I, at the same time, do I always? Maybe not. I'm increasingly not showing footage of myself not wearing a mask, but yeah. Um, All right. Well, and and for me, it, it yeah, it, it does depend how long I'm going to be sitting there and uh, and spraying something. But and yourself, mm -hmm. Casey, how, how are you? A, are you a safe man? No, not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know I should be. Um, I open the door and I got like a fan going. Mm -hmm. That feels pretty good. And you know, yeah. it's a like the area that I'm in is not 
super open, but the room that the air goes into is. And I feel like if I'm not smelling anything, you know, in particular, I'm not using like heavy solvents or anything. Um, right. It feels all right. And I, I've never had any problems or felt anything after airbrushing for like a long period of time, as long as, you know, the doors open and, and, you know, it goes into a ventilated area. Right. I could be totally wrong and I'll, I'll be regretting it. In years to come. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's not ideal. You're not reading out what you should be doing from the MSRP or the, uh, safety data sheet msd there but uh you know mm -hmm. depends depends how many hours you're doing that a day you know be, you be careful you be careful casey <laughs> i'm gonna try <laughs> um, somebody did comment uh you know because we talked a little bit about dirt biking uh -huh, and uh -huh. I, I i don't have it off the top of my head who it was but you know they they said that uh dirt biking was pretty dangerous and you Sounds know, like it. it's bad if you're a, if you're an organ donor, because, you know, you get dirt in all the, the wounds and then you, you can't be an organ donor, assuming that I'm just going to eventually <laughs> harm myself in some horrific manner. <laughs> so maybe this is one of those things. Yeah, I, it'd be interesting to see a conversion chart between one day of unmasked uh, airbrushing versus one day mm -hmm. of dirt biking and, you know, see where the risk reward right, that exactly. all balances out to be but um yeah if if you know on a good week or a good month maybe a good month you get out dirt biking one day of the month and you do 10 days of airbrushing that month like i still think the dirt biking is mm -hmm. probably your biggest fear but always good to minimize all that and uh especially if it's the <laughs> airbrushing part of your life you're filming you know at least on camera if you're showing your face on camera yeah, wear a mask. That'd right, try and be a responsible content creator. <laughs> show best practices. <laughs> yeah, all that probably stuff. go buy some gloves too. Yeah. I uh, I got a comment on my my canoeing video. Uh, I was Ooh. paddling around and I got a comment that said, "You're not wearing a life jacket." I'm like, well, they're right. Really? You know, you know they're like. I mean, I can tell everyone that there was a life jacket on the floor in front of me, just out of camera shot. You know, I can point out the fact that i was clearly in knee-deep water when i was paddling around there but yeah, they're right they're right yeah, but most people drown less than two feet of water brent that's true that's true and, I, and it was not a type one life preserver that i had I, it, you know if i mm -hmm. you know if i was face down i'd, I'd be face down that that'd be what it would be you know the, yeah, that, that, that type one life preserver that over has on the, top uh, of you and yeah Oh yeah, like the There's, neck brace thing. To yeah, the ones that have the neck brace thing. The the point is that uh -huh. yeah, you can be floating around in the ocean for four days and stay face up or whatever. But, I mean, I'm not, if I'm not if doing that recreationally, no I would have. <laughs> no one has ever had fun wearing one of those life <laughs> types of life preservers, though. Like, no, no, I'm sure they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I'm pretty sure in most states, um, as long as you have one of the, the like little cushions with you. Mm -hmm. that's fine. Like they assume device, if you're yeah. on a lake in a canoe that you can probably swim. I don't know why you'd go out on one if you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, you, it's always a question where the line is between being a, a nerd and being safe, you know, reasonable precautions yeah. versus just, just being a nerd. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah, sometimes I wear a mask. Sometimes I don't. That's that's where we're going with this. Okay. I just wanted to, I wanted to bring up a little science with Brent. You know, a lot of people were asking. Oh, oh that. is that they what this was? Want to hear that? Yeah, so, yeah. Nothing, nothing oh, yeah, terrible little, is in a little bit leading into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing terrible is in water-based acrylic paints unless it's like an old red paint that might have some heavy metals in there. And heavy metal poisoning is a real thing that you got to watch out for. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, if you start seeing those striations on your fingernails, you should probably stop. I, I don't even know what the warning signs are, but uh, just you be careful. You watch forensic files? No. <laughs> like, it's always the wife poisoning her husband in his soup with, like, heavy metals. And, like, the, the whole telltale sign is you get these, like, striations on your fingernails. Like, these little white lines to tell you that you're getting heavy metal poisoning and you're going to die soon. That was in the sixth sense. Was the it really? Poisoning the soup? Yeah. I don't, I don't oh, know if the fingernail thing I guess thing that's a common there. thing. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we move on to our first question topic from a viewer? What do we got? Well, let's see here. It's tiny on my monitor, so I'm going to do the best I can. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to read the name. Um, so this comes from RH. Um, what if... A painter tries a new technique and fails. You do research. Things look pretty good. So it might be easy, but then you give it a try and you simply suck at it. And he's asking if we've ever encountered that before and, you know, what have we done and how do we approach that when we, you know, come into a new technique, right? Oh, yeah, that's normal. That's, uh, (laughs) I mean, we're going to do a longer version here, but that is... That is absolutely normal. That's how you learn anything. But failure mm-hmm. is, is just a part of, of the whole learning process. That is completely normal. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the way a lot of people learn is they, they watch somebody who knows what they're doing and get an idea of what they should be doing, and then they go out and they try it, and then they fail, um, and then you cycle back around to watching the people who know what they're doing and maybe get a little bit more information out of them the second time around. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of an iterative process. Nobody, almost nobody is good at something the first time they try it. That, that'll be normal, but yeah, let's, <clears throat> let's talk specific. Well, there's here. an interesting thing. Yeah. So there's this interesting thing that happens when you, when you watch something, You know, when you are trying to learn something, you only retain a certain amount, right? So if you watch a 30 minute video, Mm -hmm. what are you going to maybe be able to recall a few images, maybe a couple things that, that the person said, and that's about it, especially if you only watch it one time, you know, so maybe you watch it once or twice, you're getting two minutes out of that 25 minute video. And then you're applying that two minutes to whatever it is. Like you're probably not going to do very well because you've never done it before. And it's not, you know, ingrained in your mind. So you're going to fail and then you're going to go back and maybe you retain three minutes the next time. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone teaches you in person where it's hands on and you can actually ask questions and there's a feedback process, you get better a little bit faster. 
you know, because you're asking more questions and you're getting the response in hopefully the way that you, you know, however you worded it, you're getting it back in the way that makes the most sense to you. So if you're learning from an actual person, you're probably going to do it better, you know, sooner. And that's, it's just part of, of doing it. The, the whole point of failure is so that you can grow. So I don't know, Brent, like, uh, what's something that you, you tried to do? Like, you know, airbrushing, for example. Yeah. We can um, talk about airbrushing. Yeah. Like, how did you, yeah. How did you jump into that? And like, what were, what were those initial processes and, and failures, I suppose? I mean, there's a lot of them with airbrushing, and I really do believe that a lot of that you just have to go through those failures and encounter each of the things that you've kind of heard of before. But yeah, day one, I got my airbrush. Luckily, it came in its box, all assembled and everything, because it has so many parts <laughs> that I never would have been able to put it together myself without you know seeing it together first and taking it apart myself first. But you know, the first thing I did, hook it up to the air compressor, make sure it turns on and kind of figure out that, you you know, you press the button down and you pull the slide back and, and air comes out the front of the paintbrush, like very basic stuff. And then put some paint in the cup and chew the model with it. And wow, like, you know, you got paint on the model really fast and this is kind of a cool tool. And then it jams up. You know, paint paint starts coming out of that uh, <laughs> airbrush slower and slower and slower, and then just no paint is coming out. You got a cup full of paint on the top of the airbrush, pulling that trigger, nothing is coming out. You know, the everything still seems to be compressed, but you are clearly jammed up. And have you failed at this point? Kind of. You. <laughs> You're, uh, bit, you're, sure. you are you trying, to, air, you you're trying to airbrush you're trying to airbrush and nothing is coming out of that airbrush so right now you are failing at airbrushing uh because there's some yeah. te techniques that you need to learn <clears throat> and you know one of them is being able to clean your airbrush one of them's being able to thin your paints to the to the right degree and use the flow improver um but yeah, something that uh, then you need to go and learn to do is how to strip your airbrush down and clean it and keep it clean while you're working with it. And there's, you know, the skill of being able to use an airbrush has, has a ton of different layers to it that you need to know to be proficient. And part of even understanding like the list of things you need to be aware of is going through those failures. And like now it's in my mind that, okay, Airbrushes getting jammed up and clogged up is a real thing that I need to know about. And now I can go back and watch videos and hear people say that, okay, you know, after you put a cup of paint through your airbrush, you want to be running water or solvent through it or something, um, you know, exercising the needle, you know, and, and you can go back and watch if you're, if you're getting your information from YouTube videos, you can go back and watch this part that you know you really need you're like okay i am i am missing a piece of information here that has caused me to fail and you can go and watch that more carefully um and then when you're watching those videos again you're actually recognizing the parts of the airbrush that they're talking about you're you understand more about what they mean when they're talking about the needle and this little uh, you know this little screw that holds the needle where it is and kind of through that iterative process of hands-on experience 
but going back and forth to instruction, hands-on experience, instruction, hands-on experience, you get more out of it each time. And so then you go back to your airbrush and you watch some videos and you're like, okay, this person stripped it all down and it goes into all these pieces and they put it back together and it was fine when they put it back together. So now I can try that. <laughs> so now I can try to take the airbrush apart and I got it pretty much apart. I'm having a little trouble getting, you know, the, the trigger to go back in exactly the way it was. Let me watch like <clears throat> this five seconds of that video over and over again. And okay. He kind of slaughtered it in this way and turned it. And then he put the needle through the trigger like this. And, you know, if you, if you're listening to this and you've never used an airbrush before, you don't know what I'm talking about, but if you have used an airbrush before, you probably sort of understand what I'm trying to say right now. And it's just, um, yeah, yeah it's a matter of that, that firsthand experience, um, having those failures to tell you where the likely failure points are is, is a really useful thing. And yeah, so this can be applied to almost any technique in, in our hobby. Um, any painting technique, there's, there's a learning curve to it. And to get over that learning curve requires some, well, it may or may not require some instruction, but it definitely requires hands-on experience seeing what works, what doesn't work. Um, and there's, there is no substitute for experience, just getting in there and trying stuff out. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? Is there's no substitute for doing it and repeating it. And, you know, something else is going to happen and you're going to have to figure that out. And, you know, you can watch all the videos that you want. You know, I mean, I watched, I watched airbrush videos for probably a good solid year and a half before I actually picked up an airbrush mm -hmm. and it did nothing for me, you know, like also, there were some mental notes that I had of like, okay, well these things can happen. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't as discouraged when they did happen, but generally it's like, you just got to get in there and, and kind of get dirty with it and just figure that stuff out. And yeah, it, uh, I mean, it, I'm not going to say it didn't help, you know, I, I mean, that's kind of what we do, right? <laughs> like, it'd be weird to say like, yes, we're pointless. <laughs> right. But, so, uh, so I, I want to get into the what you just talked about, like the emotion and the expectation of, you know, those problems mm -hmm. that you encountered and, and getting through them. But um, just real quick, I want to say like, this is kind of education in any field or any topic has this back and mm -hmm. forth between instruction and hands-on experience. Um, yeah. I, I spent many years of my life in school and to various degrees, like that's what school is it's uh you know instruction and then you go home and you do your homework um you you work the problems you try to do the equations or you know whatever it is you figure out what the like really hard parts are and then you go back to class the next day and some of the stuff the the teacher is saying make a little bit more sense now that you've put some time in at home um and I don't keep up on uh, pedagogy or anything, but in a lot of school settings, they're actually starting to really emphasize the, you know, individual active learning part of things. Um, there's a mm -hmm. phenomenon called uh, flipped classrooms that 
is, I don't know if it's a fad or, or if it's going to stick around or whatever, but the idea is ordinarily in a classroom, you go, you listen to the teacher talk and you go home and you do your homework alone. And there's been a push recently to you go home and you watch video lectures and then you go to class mm. and you sit with your <clears> classmates <throat> and you work through problems and solve equations or, or you know whatever the whatever the subject is. And the idea is that the the active part of learning is more important and kind of encountering those problems and then you know being able to recognize that this is a hard part and then getting a little bit of guidance to get through that hard part the the kind of the pushing through the hard parts mm -hmm. and working it out and figuring it out kind of by yourself um or or an assisted version of by yourself can be very valuable um so the you know my overall response to this question is you know how do i deal with failures when i'm learning something my overall response is expect failures that's how anyone learns anything that's that's normal and then we can talk a little bit more about you know whether or not you the expecting to fail is good or bad you know if if you just go into something like i am i am going to fail this i'm not going to be any good at this yeah you got to modulate yeah. that a little bit you know yet uh you got to have just enough self confidence to be like i'm i'm going to get through this i will eventually be good at this but before i get to that point i am going to fail multiple times but each time I fail, I will hopefully, you know, learn something from it, be able to take away some bit of useful uh, nugget of information there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got a good, I got a good chunk on that specifically. Yeah. Um, when I started airbrushing, like I said, I'd been watching videos and I finally bought an airbrush. And I went to... Like, you know, I did testing, played around with stuff. It clogged and I fixed it and all these things. And once I finally got to the point where it's like, okay, I can, I can safely switch out colors and I feel fairly confident about doing that. Then the first model that I really went to, to paint was a great unclean one, the new one, mm -hmm. a big gnarly dude. And like for the longest time, like just staring at that model after it being, you know, primed and. I had done a little bit of work on it. Um, you know, like that, that confidence dropped quite a bit and that was like a weird emotional struggle and then breakthrough. And I don't know, it was really it, like, it was tough for a while. It was hard to pick up the airbrush and go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to paint this $120 model with this airbrush that I just got mm. and hopefully do a good job, you know? Um, and yeah, it, it was kind of this back and forth for a few weeks, which seems so stupid, you know, thinking about it and talking about it now is, you know, it was legitimately like a mental battle that I had to overcome. And once I did, like, I didn't stop, mm. you know, it was like, I've got this, you know, after rewatching videos and trying to get myself in a place i realized that perfection was never going to be attainable at the level that i was at and it was time to just go for it and see what happens and even now it's probably one of my favorite models that i've ever painted 
So was this a situation where you put down a couple coats of paint and then gave up for a little while, or did you almost like have that period of giving up or not starting before any paint was on the model? It was before, during, and finishing okay. the model. It was okay. all of it. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I started. It was like it was difficult to start because I didn't want to screw it up, right? Because mm -hmm. there's this idea of perfection and and getting it right the first time. And that's just, it's just not going to happen. You know, it's like anything that you've ever done in your entire life. Yep. Like you probably didn't get it right on your first time. And painting is no different, which is, it kind of comes around into why we even called this podcast Paint Bravely. It absolutely because does. Because if yeah. you're not, then you won't ever, you know, get over that hump and actually put paint on a model. Mm -hmm. Like that perfection is not necessarily attainable in this hobby. You know, you, you can spend your entire life and you will produce some amazing work, but there's always going to be one thing that you're going to look at and say, I could have done that better. Right. So trying to get over that really early on, you know, really steps up your game and gives you that confidence to try all of these new techniques and fail Right. So I think I think we're talking about kind of there there being a, a middle ground or a Goldilocks zone there. So Sure, sure. You know, I, I've I've talked about, you know, failure being just a part of learning and something that you need to expect. But if you also go into it just expecting to fail, there you gotta be careful that, that doesn't put some hesitation in there, especially if you you know, you do have a really nice model that you wanna get through. Um <laughs> yeah. So again, just, you know, like bringing my personal story into this, I'm a, I'm a scientist and a research scientist trying to figure out new things. Most of your experiments will fail. You know, most of the like experiment designs will fail. And so you got to build it up, get the experiment itself to work and then get the experiment to give useful data and then understand the data. And it's a very iterative process of learning new things. And so um, it's very much going in at something every day, knowing that you're, you're going to fail, but it's going to be a step in the pathway to getting something to work out the way that you want it to, which is tons of parallels with everything in life, but, but especially painting, um, you know, having the attitude that I need to go in there, I need to try something, but probably it's going to fail, but I'm going to learn something. So in my case, this has kind of worked into uh, uh, looking for the word here, but like a like a weird uh, psychosis where I go through a lot of test models. So if I mm -hmm. want to paint like a unit of ten figures, I don't start by painting those ten figures. Like I I've developed like a weird psychosis where I will then identify, you know, some some used models or some similar models that I really don't care about. And I'll have like, you know, five or 10 test models leading up to the squad that I actually want to paint. And I'm, I'm talking about this as both like a good thing and a bad thing. So in, mm -hmm. in the good sense, I'm like, okay, I want to learn how to make this squad of space Marines look good. And so I've got these old figures here and I'm going to practice on them, understanding that the the first couple of models I do will not be good, but they'll get better. I'll learn some things. 
I'll figure out a technique that I like, and then I'll go paint these 10 space marines that I actually care about. And kind of that, that expecting to fail is a little bit of the block that you were talking about with your great unclean one of, I have this model mm -hmm. here, and I'm putting it up on a pedestal, and I don't want to ruin it. So I'm really concerned yeah. about actually starting the project that I care about. And it's a, it's a tough block to get through. Um, so, so in my case, mm -hmm. more than half of the models that I have assembled are partially painted. I have a lot of half-painted models around me because I will yeah. you know, get out my airbrush and I'll throw down a base coat and then I'll play around with a couple of different washes to try to get the the start to the look of a of a figure I think will be cool and that I'll want to and that I'll want to actually paint. And for me that's a little bit of a trap because I'm I'm kind of half painting things and not finishing them and not pushing through to the other side of seeing what this model could be. I'm I you know putting in some test work on test models leading up to a completely different model and I'm not getting that follow through and that follow through could be useful on its own. And in fact, normally yeah. is. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's something else to be considered too, is when you're, when you are painting pretty much any model, you're going to hit a point where, you know, you laid down a base coat and you've done a few different things and it's just going to look like crap. You mm -hmm. know, most of the time you have an ugly phase and that's another point while you're painting any model that you have to get past. You have to keep painting, keep layering, keep highlighting. And eventually you're going to start to see, you know, the fruits of your labor. Like yes. it's going to start to look better. So you just need to keep painting. Yes, absolutely. That's thank you for making that point. Cause that's really where I was going with this is as <laughs> you are starting to put paint on, for whatever reason, sometimes it's because you are failing, but there will be an ugly phase in your model. Part of that is every model has an ugly phase, just the the mechanics of getting the paint that the model needs onto it. Some of those phases mm -hmm. don't look great until you get you know that last layer of highlights on. Um, so you may be painting and reach an ugly phase and... It could just be the natural ugly phase of that model. If you push through, that model might be amazing when you're done. But if you are mm -hmm. in the wrong mindset, you you could be like, I've painted it. I've reached the ugly phase. I failed. But what have I learned by reaching this ugly phase? Where there could be so much more to be learned by pushing through and seeing if you actually did fail. So I guess what I'm saying is there's the there's the danger of assuming that you failed before you actually have. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the point that you're making there, Casey, of trying to push through on a model, not abandon it. Um, and I think it's probably something you're better that than I am. I am much more inclined to be like, yeah, this this technique was interesting. I think I learned something here. Let's let's go check it out on another model and maybe make a tweak to it. Whereas if I instead said, okay, I don't know if this model is going to be good. Let's let's finish it out and see what happens and actually give it a solid mm -hmm. chance here. Um, anyway, I think that's the middle ground where it's really a, a good place to be uh, mentally and emotionally for painting minis. Um, yeah. Not, not being afraid to fail, 
but also pushing through and completing a paint job to to see how it really turns out on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, don't be afraid to quit, you know, in the same turn. Right? Like don't be afraid of failure, but don't be afraid to quit too early or that you will quit too early, you know. Don't um, quit too early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. You got it. You know what I'm talking about. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean that too many times for sure have I been painting something and hit that that stage and like i feel better about it these days because i have painted a lot more miniatures you know at this point and i mean i hit that phase every single time and like i'll be recording a video and it's like this video has to go up in two days and it just looks like hot garbage and i mean i think i I brought it up to you before you know i've i've tossed a miniature back in the sonic cleaner to redo mm-hmm. And at least in the video that I made about that, I thought there were good points that I was making as to why, but even now looking back, I probably could have salvaged that model and saved myself, you know, seven or eight hours worth of work Mm -hmm. just by pushing through and not quitting. Like I was frustrated and it's like, I was trying something that I'd never done before. So that's, that's just kind of part of the game. It's going to happen. You're going to get frustrated. Don't quit too early. Don't be afraid of failure. If you follow through all the way to the end, like the failure isn't necessarily that, you know, it looks bad or whatever that is. It's that you didn't quite nail that technique. And it's only because you don't have enough practice. Like Mm -hmm. if you were to finish and follow through on a model, then do like paint the exact same model again, it's going to look better. Like if you batch paint 10 guys, then, you know, as you get, down the line, those edge highlights, say on a space marine, are gonna get crisper. It's just gonna look better by the tenth guy. You know, you can see that in motion as you're painting when you're doing something like that. So don't mm-hmm. discount the time that you put in. You're not gonna get it on your first try. Yep. Yep. There there is value to failure, absolutely. I mean, even if you're just like, you know, slopping a wash on your mini or something, um, you are going to recognize when certain like pools of wash will dry in a really bad way. Like even, even when it's wet, you'll start to realize like, Oh, this, this big old droplet of wash right here is going to dry really terribly. And so let's not let Mm -hmm. that droplet sit there. Um, but you wouldn't know that unless you had screwed that up on many minis before now. Mm, Many. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I go back on some of my early stuff and I'm just like, did I not even bother? Like, what was I doing? <laughs> like, looking at all these just disgusting dark pools at the bottom. Yeah. Like, you can't see his entire leg. I don't know how I thought that was okay. Yeah. But no, those those failures in the past, especially when, like, when you are working with wet paint and you can see, like, oh, I, I you know, I did make this edge highlight too much. Let's, we better wipe this off mm-hmm. while it's still wet or or whatever, like. A lot of times when you're working with wet paint, you can you can just see yeah. like, oh, this is not going to dry the way that I want it to. This need I, I need to fix this now. Um, and so yeah, having, definitely don't be afraid those, to touch your model. Yeah, yeah, having having those failures in your memory bank of knowing that okay, what I just did with my paintbrush right now is not going to end well. I need to fix this right now because I yes. know where this goes. Um, and so just just having that experience with different ways that you have messed up models before it 
is a valuable thing to have in your memory banks. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean that like, and just because we kind of have the example going that edge highlighting, that's the perfect opportunity. Like if you, if you lay down an edge highlight, you know, on the side of a, whatever it is, you know, a sword or armor panel and it gets a little fat halfway down the line, like grab some spit and wipe it off real quick, you know? Sure. Like it's not going to hurt your model and you're going to have saved yourself a little bit of extra work by just wiping that off. Yep. You know, if you sit there and you go, I screwed this up and then you kind of dwell on that and, you know, look at it like your paint's already dry. Like if you, if you think that you did something like it's paint, you can wipe it off, you know? Yeah. Edge highlighting is actually a really good example of pushing through the ugly phase. Um, just yeah. Kind of, it actually ties in pretty well because if you do your first couple of edges on a model, I've found that they look stupid. They look completely out of place with everything <laughs> yes. else. Um, they really you know, do. Right. You you highlight that that first uh, jagged edge on a knee pad, and it looks stupid. Um, and but then you have to follow through and do the edges on the entire rest of the model, and all of a sudden yeah. that might start to look pretty good actually. Um, highlighting, yeah. edge highlighting, all that stuff is, is often a case of you have to follow through. Um, if you're highlighting some mm -hmm. muscles and you, you put that lighter flesh tone on the bicep or whatever, that first, uh, layer looks stupid, especially if it's just on that one bicep, it looks like it is going to be yeah. absolute garbage, but you go through, you put the lighter flesh tone on the, on the shoulders and the other bicep and you know, the pecs, you, you put that lighter flesh tone everywhere, and then you go through and do a couple more layers of, you know, progressively lighter highlights. All of a sudden, that might look pretty awesome. And so, again, there's, you got to find that balance between actually putting the time in, pushing through, and seeing where the model goes, you know, pushing through the ugly phase with still, um, you know, having having that mindset of worst case, this model doesn't look good, but I'm going to learn something new from it. So it, it, there is a balancing act mm -hmm. there. You don't want to be so ready for failure that you put that first edge highlight on, say this is terrible, and then just go paint a different mini. Like you, <laughs> that's that's not going to get you anywhere. But if you follow through, paint the whole mini, do edge highlighting everywhere, and uh, be prepared whether it looks awesome or whether it doesn't look awesome. Yeah, I think that's. That's somewhere in the in the mindset that's that's useful to be for painting these old minis. Paint yeah. bravely and I, I think, is uh, what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> paint bravely. And that's why we're here, right? That's why we're talking about this. Yeah. Like I feel like uh at least for me personally, like I've I've fought these battles, you know? Like the there's not a lot of difference between someone who's new and someone who's a little bit more experience as a, a couple of years. Like the, the real difference is just knowing that, yeah, when I'm putting that highlight on that, that muscle, that it's going to look right once I do the rest of them. Right. You know, not panicking when you throw the first one on and you're just like, this does, this isn't going to work at all. This looks stupid. Like you said, you know, like it's yeah. knowing that if you follow through, it will look how you think it will look. 
or unless you're doing unless you're doing a real gradual color transition where that bicep is only very slightly brighter than the rest of the model like maybe then it'll be like yeah. okay this this is this is gonna be good but normally it's uh wow this is two shades mm. brighter than the rest of the model it's it, this is terrible why there why is there an oval of light flesh tone in the middle of this <laughs> arm like this is right. yeah um like paint the rest of the arm It'll make paint, paint the rest sense. of the arm paint the rest of the model do one or two yeah. more highlight layers and it might actually look kind of good maybe yeah. yeah on the more arms you paint the more muscles you <laughs> highlight the better they're gonna look yeah okay so casey did, did we answer that question what was the question um something did, about did, did we get it learning <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so. Like, what if, what if a painter tries a new technique and fails? Like, what should you do? I, oh, yeah. I feel yeah, like we happen. got there. No, we got it. We got it. Yeah. The answer, in short, is you will try it again. Yeah. Keep Don't painting. be too worried about it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Keep yeah. Painting. We did it. We did it. Let's do. Uh, let's do I think some so. more. Some more questions here. What else do we got, Casey? All right. We got another one from. I'm just going to I'm just going to abbreviate this is a TH just because if we read one name and it's fine, but then we don't read another name because we know we're going to screw it up. Either mispronounce. I feel like that's unfair. Yeah, it's either we're going to mispronounce yeah. a name or someone named themselves on YouTube, something that we are not going to read because that happens too. right. Yeah. Meet Popsicle. Uh -huh. Right. Meet Popsicle. No, I, I All right. We got another. We have another question from Meet Popsicle here. <laughs> Um, exactly. Like, uh, that's going to get old real quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, eventually we're just going to stop taking Popsicle, questions from Meat Popsicle. Stop. Yeah. So we yeah. have a question from MP and MP asks. Wait, oh, we we're do? not reading. No, I, I just abbreviated Meat Popsicle. I'm, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were looking at something. I'm just like, I don't no, have that. I don't have a question have from this, Meat Popsicle. You just made that name up. <laughs> <laughs> No, I thought you were like legitimately segueing into the actual question. And I'm like, am I missing a question here? Did I not get that in my notes? Casey, read the question from TH, please. <laughs> Maybe I'm a meat popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> that meat popsicle was me. <laughs> yeah. You've been trolling me this, this whole time. I knew it, Brent. <laughs> So the question from TH is painting airbrush versus brush versus spray can tips, pros and cons for each, that kind of thing. So I'm not sure there's much of a, like a comparison between each of them. I mean, I guess you can compare your airbrush to, you know, traditional spray can of just spray paint to like prime well, let's just let's, yeah let's models, just talk whatever. about priming then let's uh interpret the question we want and talk about priming airbrush versus brush versus spray can what okay. do we get well personally i prefer the airbrush prime and not for any other reason than i can i'm i don't have to go anywhere to do it you know i don't have to get up from my desk right so it's convenience more than anything yeah, so an airbrush prime is you're you're sitting normally indoors, normally at your desk, and you have a bottle of airbrush primer, which is it's a you know a water-based acrylic paint that'll shoot through your airbrush. 
there are no smelly solvents. It's just pretty much just water-based. You can do it right there at your desk. Um, probably should wear a mask, you know, if we're talking safety, but it's yeah. convenient if you own an airbrush. And certainly not everybody mm -hmm. is set up for a compressor, an air compressor and an airbrush and kind of the, the right place in their home to do all that. And it's it's not free. I mean, it's not super expensive. It's like a hundred bucks to get a, a setup, but certainly not free. You could be spending that hundred bucks on other stuff. Uh, you could buy a lot of cans Primer. of spray paint for a hundred bucks for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you go to Walmart, you can buy a hundred of them. Yeah, there's there's definitely some, some thoughts about which uh, spray can you should be using. There, we can we can get into that too. But um, so both of us do prefer to prime with an airbrush. There's there's a lot of control there. You can get a nice thin controlled layer down on your mini. Uh, it takes a little bit longer than sp uh, spraying a rattle can at your mini. Um, for, for a can of spray paint, that paint comes out fast and coats everything real fast. And if you have the right skill, you can get a pretty nice coat down. Uh, I don't actually have a ton of skill with a rattle can. I can basically get it to do what I want, but there, uh, I, I mean, you've had problems with rattle cans before, right, Casey? Um, yeah, like when I, when I first started painting, um, I didn't, I mean, I didn't certainly didn't have an airbrush. So yeah, using, using just straight spray paint. Like I knew that I was supposed to use a primer just cause that's kind of the thing with paint in general. You know, if you've yeah. grown up around painting at all, it's sure, just, sure. you know, um, so, you know, I primed everything probably too thick. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I came in with whatever color, you know, I was going to paint the models and I, I coated that probably too thick again. Oh, did you? Okay, so um, if so you that's were painting something a red to model, be you, aware would, of, yeah. you would paint it. You you actually did that. You did two two coats of spray paint to yeah. get started on a paint job. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I mean that that was a long time ago. Um, mm -hmm. Probably why I don't really do that anymore. Although I've had a lot of good success with just rattle can primers. I mean, you know, spending a little more than a dollar on any kind of primer, it's probably going to be a little better quality. Um, you know, we can kind of get into whether or not, <laughs> I don't know what's, I don't know what the best primer is. Um, but as far as rattle can stuff, I haven't been able to tell the difference between, you know, normal two or $3 a can primer that, that goes on as long as it goes on thin and you're careful about it, then you, you can pretty much get the same result from that as from an airbrush. At least in my, yeah. I mean, so uh, just to start off the or take a step back here the the goal is to put a layer of primer down so that your paint sticks to the mini but not have that layer of primer be so thick that detail is obscured um in the case of a spray can you want to be careful that the solvent isn't actually melting or dissolving the plastic and getting you you know kind of droopy details or whatever um have you ever that, had that happen yes yes i've never had that happen so speaking of failure and learning things the hard way and uh, taking those lessons oh, with no. you, yes, absolutely. What did you do, Brent? <laughs> I feel pretty bad about this. So this was middle school or very early high school, and uh, my, okay. my friend had just gotten a dwarven cannon, and it was a metal cannon and a couple little metal dwarfs, 
and the cannon had two plastic wheels that it sat on. And we oh, went no. to, this was winter time um, in Maine, and it was really cold in the garage. And we, you know, I think we used pretty much black for everything, but we, we primed it and, you know, left the models in the garage, went inside, did whatever, came back out, and at least one of those wheels had completely deformed <laughs> and completely sagged. So, I mean, these are these are kids who do not... It wasn't not... even your model? <laughs> no, that's what made it so bad, because... Sucks. I don't. I don't know if I'd remember this story uh, better or worse if it had been my model, but I. I do remember it because I feel bad because you're like, you know, all, all right, this is this is your first model. What you got to do with your model, you got to get them primed so that then they'll look really oh, good you're when you paint him them. Too. Yeah, we were like teaching him, and he was like the third or fourth in our little subgroup of of Warhammer folks, uh, Warhammer kids there, and yeah, we 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 primed the the wheels for his cannon. And it just got all droopy, and it looked awful. And that was an expensive model. <laughs> um, I, you, you come back out of the garage, and you're like, he, "We did this on purpose." I think I worst. think he quit like pretty soon after. Um, I could see that. I could see. You no, know, I think yeah. he. I think he had two thunderers and two, you know, the dwarves with guns and two quarrelers, the dwarves with crossbows. Mm -hmm. and then he had his cannon, and. I don't think he got many more. I think pretty much done. But yeah, that was so bad. The 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 wheel just Blood got bummer, all melty man. and deformed. But so where we're going with that is uh, spray paint is you know compressed uh, propellant. Like a I don't think they use chlorofluorocarbons anymore. But a compressed gas. Uh, there is a organic solvent in there, and there's the the actual paint stuff. You know the medium and the and the pigments. Um, and the solvents that they use are solvents that happen to dissolve polystyrene most of the time. And so if you let that mm. liquid sit on a model, on a polystyrene model, it's going to partially dissolve that plastic and your wheel isn't going to look like a wheel anymore when that all evaporates. So, um, so if you are working with a spray can, you got to be careful not to get so much liquid on there or have liquid stay around long enough to actually deform the model. And so spray cans I mean, I suppose are, the idea is that it's going to dissolve, right? Yeah, I mean, it's to keep the, you know, the, the actual paint uh, suspended and mixed. And um, mm -hmm. the, the real point is that it will evaporate quickly. So it's liquid as it's squirting out of the can and then the, the droplets dissolve, you know, not dissolve, but uh, evaporate kind of as they're hitting the model. Yeah. Um, and so the idea is that with spray paint that it dries pretty quickly after you spray it. But if you're doing yeah. this in a cold basement or, you know, cold garage and the lighting's not good and you can't tell that there's little droplets actually sitting on the model and then you go inside and you leave it in the cold and the cold means that things are evaporating much slower. So you have liquids sitting on the plastic mm -hmm. longer. When people talk about priming in the cold, that's what they mean. They don't necessarily even know. Because a lot of people talk about that, like, oh, I should only prime in this temperature. You know? That's one of the they things They go outside, going on. they prime. Yeah. Um, part, of it, part of it is getting the, the paint to spray the way that you want it to spray. But also, um, mm -hmm. 
it's it's also making sure that you don't have liquid sitting on the models. So you want the you want the can to be like room temperature. If you're going out on a winter day to prime, you can do that. Um, but have have the models and the can inside in the warm. Walk outside, spray, walk back inside, carrying the models and the can back inside with you. Yeah, that's that's what I yeah. do. Good, good, if good. If I'm good. using a rattle can, everything's I got paint right here. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> but yeah, so so with a rattle can, um, you know, pros cheap, available everywhere. Um, they you know, they spray very fast. They you know, you can get very good primes with them, so readily available, works fast. Um those are some pretty good cons right there, or pros, I should say. And then for cons, <laughs> don't melt your model. Um, but also the conditions, you know, temperature and everything does affect how the can will spray. You know, how much how much is left in the can, how fresh the can is, the the temperature of the can, humidity in the air, that all affects how the can actually sprays. And so you can get varying degrees of, of good results uh, from from a can depending on the conditions and and all that stuff so i have definitely had the experience where i've gotten good primes and i've gotten bad primes out of the same can or the same brand of can just depending on the day depending on how hard i'm squeezing that trigger depending on how patient i'm being um, all of that stuff and there is definitely mm -hmm. a skill involved in not ruining your models with a spray can. <laughs> On another note, if you want to make some cool looking alien terrain, grab some you know, like packaging foam that you get in big boxes of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like make some cool buildings, get that stuff in one area and then use whatever color spray paint you want to spray that. It will melt the polystyrene and it looks cool. Yeah, that's right. how I used to make terrain, like, when I was getting into Warhammer. It was like, you know, I wanted to paint, like, I built this cool thing out of foam, right? And then I went to go spray paint it, and it and it was like this little watchtower thing. It had wooden legs on it, stood up, looked really cool, and then it flat out melted when I put the spray paint on. <laughs> okay, so you've ruined stuff that way, but you've also used it as a tool to make cool-looking foam, right? Right after after the <laughs> the first try and complete failure and ruining of my awesome terrain, uh -huh, I was uh -huh. like, "Wow, okay, I can actually use this to my benefit." Got bigger pieces of foam, lightly sprayed that down, and melted it to look like this kind of like mountainous forms or like buildings that you know alien stuff took over, or whatever it is. You know, looks right. cool. Right, it's a good way to try stuff. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, just the way that spray paint works, it has organic solvents in there. You got your your acetone and your toluene and you know whatever all else they they pack into those things, um, but kind of different varieties of paint thinner essentially that just have the the properties mm -hmm. that they want for you know evaporating when you know dissolving what it needs to dissolve and evaporating quickly, um, and those are. Uh, for the most part, flammable and smell bad, and um, probably most of them are reasonably safe. But some of those molecules can are potential carcinogens, you know, you know, benzene or something like that, um, which I don't think is in most spray paints. But 
uh, the vapors chemically certainly they smell bad and they are not great for you to be breathing and so that is why you yeah absolutely should be going outside you when you go spray paint. yeah <laughs> um yeah uh, luke's aps is a is a favorite youtube channel of mine but he's definitely had some episodes where he's just like spraying inside his house <laughs> and he's just saying uh -huh. like yeah uh, me lady don't like me uh you know spraying inside the house but me do it anyway <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I've, I've done that like you know grab some gloss coat or something i'm just like i just need it i just need like a quick once over on this like whatever thing it is this blade and mm -hmm. i'll just i'll just open the doors whatever and quick do it and then the, that smell sticks around you know yes. a couple of quick spurts and that thing that's it just sticks around for hours right so yeah, he's he's going through half a can, in, you know, in his attic. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so this is worth mentioning. Like, for using a spray can, you do have to have the correct place to do it. I mean, this is true of using uh, an airbrush too. Like, for an airbrush, you have to have yeah. a place where you're willing to have a little bit of vapors floating around. They're not smelly vapors, but they're still particles floating around your room, which aren't mm -hmm. great. Um, for having a spray can, you have to do it in a place where you are willing to let that smell like solvents. Um, so that either means you need a backyard where you can do those things or, um, you know, I've, I've lived in a few apartments where I've definitely been like the weird guy walking out into the parking lot and, and using my rattle cans. And that just takes yeah. a little bit of, you know, uh, smile and walk fast and don't make eye contact and do what you got to do and uh you know get those models carrying little do what you got to do yeah. soldiers yeah you got your <laughs> your piece of cord cardboard with a bunch of toy soldiers taped to it and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know i definitely did have a phase where i would try to do it at night <laughs> where, where <laughs> or at least maybe like fewer people would see what i was doing sure but yeah, I mean... Also a good time to salvage Ikea furniture outside the road. Oh, there's lots of good things to do at night when your neighbors aren't, like, really paying attention, but... Uh, <laughs> Someday we're going to have to get into this a little deeper, Brett. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for legal reasons, let's be careful, but um, no. The, right, right. For Seriously, though, everybody has different uh, living situation, and having a good place to use a can of spray paint is not necessarily easy to come by depending on where you live yeah you know some people have an awesome backyard mm -hmm. to do that in um i've had a couple apartments where it's kind of like a shared backyard and there's there's kids playing over there mm -hmm. and there's somebody using a grill over there but brent's going to be standing right there with his cans of spray paint he's going to be painting <laughs> what he needs to do um yeah you know, try not to look too shifty. You know, really, really own that shared yard while you're in it. Like that's your yard while you're in it and use yeah. the spray paint. So right, you paid for half of that. Yeah, but but go and and, and get it done. Um, but <laughs> I've mentioned in one of my YouTube videos that even like the air compressor for uh, an airbrush, you have to be aware if that's a noisy thing. Yeah, and you know, I had one yeah, video. But, yeah. I had one video where I was talking about I was doing that like a 24 hour painting marathon challenge and I was a little worried because like yeah. the airbrushing part of that was at like 9 p.m. or something I'm like well <laughs> yeah. I'm turning on my air compressor right now and if uh, they come talk to me I'll 
I'll fill them in on the 24-hour yeah. challenge that I'm doing, but... Uh, <laughs> like, I can't stop. Who, now you're who in the goes video. to bed at 9 p.m.? Yeah, like, <laughs> look, uh, neighbor, yeah. I, I understand what you're telling me. I understand this is not super cool. Like, no, I understand. I understand. I feel it too, but uh, this is happening. <laughs> don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I, I don't care like, what Especially if you're 12 you hours into a 24-hour right, stream. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not stopping. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, for some of the choices that you're making in terms of what kind of priming am I going to use, it's, uh, do I own an airbrush? That's one of the questions. Uh, do I have a place to use an airbrush? Do I have a place to use a spray can? And for a lot of people, the answer to all those things is no. And so that's when you get mm -hmm. into brush on primers. And a lot of times that's the same bottle of primer that you would ordinarily use to load up an airbrush and squirt out a model. All of those things can pretty much just be put on a palette and dab brush in there and brush on your primer onto the mini. That's normally just fine. Yeah, it's it's a nice thing to have around too, even if you use rattle cans and stuff, because you never know when you 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 know you might make a mistake or do something else, and you wanted to get it back to a certain place. You have to scrape off like you you saw a mold line that you didn't see before. Mm -hmm. Well, go ahead, scrape it off. It's just paint, and you yep. can paint on that primer. You don't have to do the whole thing again. Yeah. That works really well, and it's it's nice to have around. Absolutely. Yeah, for, for a lot of people who are just getting started with the hobby and um, either don't want to use a, a can of spray paint or don't have a place to use it or you know, certainly don't have an airbrush yet, yeah, just a, a bottle of brush-on primer is, that'll get the job done, absolutely. All right, well then, uh, Brent, what kind, of, what kind of primer do you use normally? So, uh, normally I use my airbrush primer. I like, uh, Steinal Res, Badger Steinal Res airbrush primer. I've been finding that that gives a nice coat and doesn't jam up my airbrush too much. Um, and then for spray primer, normally I use Rust-Oleum. Just grab the color Rust-Oleum Rust primer that I want. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hardware primer. I, you know, some, some people think that, uh, expensive gaming primer is the best but eh, i don't know about that i don't know about that oh yeah so you're saying that like in a nutshell like paint is paint or at least spray paints are spray paints that is my understanding like, steiner uh, res is expensive steiner res oh you can get a lot of use out of steiner res a bottle of Steinal Res. Oh, for sure. Is, but it is expensive. I mean, a bottle that'll last for, you know, 500 primes of minis costs less than a rattle can from Army Painter and like half the price of a rattle can from GW. Right, so, okay. uh, <laughs> that's true. It's all, half it's the all price relative. of a GW rattle can. Well, no, seriously. Like, I've got, um, yeah. Some, you know, liquid bottles of Steinal Res here that will last me a very long time that cost $8, something like that. Whereas, what yeah. what does a can of GW rattle can primer cost these it days? It depends on the color for some weird reason. <laughs> like, I think the gold one is the most expensive at, at like 18 or $19. Pretty sure. At least at a, at a hobby shop. That's that's a lot for gold spray paint, right? Yeah. Well, because like I I use the the two dollar 
tester's gold spray paint. You can't tell the difference. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I just I I don't like being marketed to like that, where where someone tells you this this is the best, and it's a can of spray paint. Right. Like, yeah. Um. You know, like, do you ever have you ever gone into Best Buy and needed to buy an HDMI cable? Have you ever seen the rack of HDMI <laughs> cables at Best Buy? I love, I love that conversation. Yeah, the hundred dollar gold plated like extreme super pro HDMI. That's the one you need to make your TV function. I hate that so much. Or you can buy one on Amazon for $2. <laughs> it has faster transfer speeds because you're you, you, what? <laughs> no, it doesn't like, yeah, you, you dipped it in gold. So, you know, not copper or right, anything. Right. Yeah. The, the, I'm thinking of 50 or 60 or $70 HDMI cables, but I would absolutely believe that there's a hundred dollar HDMI cable out there and it's, Oh, there is. It's, yeah, Oh there yeah. Is. Oh, do you have one? Yeah. Um, I might <laughs> maybe, no, I don't have one. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I get the, I get the cheap Amazon ones and, uh, you know, I make sure they're the, the high transfer speed, whatever kind, but they're all the same price anyways. You know, so $2, $4 for whatever size you want seems yeah. to work just fine for me. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of things in life, you know, if you're shopping around for kind of a commodity like that, an, an HDMI cable, uh, a can of spray paint, uh, maybe I won't buy the very cheapest one. I'll go up one grade, <laughs> for, although for an HDMI cable, <laughs> I might just safe. buy the very... Just to the, be safe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I paint a lot of my minis with, you know, uh, multi-pack synthetic brushes from the craft store and I won't buy right. the pack. I won't buy the pack that costs $2.99, but the pack that costs $3.99, <laughs> I like that pack a lot. That, <laughs> that's the way to go. It makes you feel a little bit better. <laughs> right. And so if I go looking for a can of spray paint to prime my minis, you know, the, the, 99 cent Walmart brand spray paint, you know, maybe I'll step up to the two or three ninety nine Rust-Oleum bottle of spray paint and, and right, call get it your, a day. Your Rust-Oleums and your Krylons. Right, right. <laughs> and man, I feel that the way that some of these games companies market spray paint is is borderline what those, you know, best best buy people are doing with their gold plated HDMI cables. It's a it's a can yeah. of spray paint. You know, these mm -hmm. these companies that are talking about the the spray paint is specially formulated for especially games workshop models. Come on. Like uh I do not for a second believe that there is a, a team of industrial chemists working in the back room of Games Workshop specially formulating anything. Um that's look, tin tinfoil hat moment here, uh, but I do not believe that. Uh, do you remember there was uh there was a Games Workshop TV YouTube video for the laboratory where contrast paints were developed. Do you remember this video? <laughs> Vaguely. Okay. Well, I mean, it was a cute little video. They they had all their folks in lab coats and talking about how they scientifically developed contrast paints. But, you know, it was just like a... It okay, was not yeah. an actual laboratory, right? Um, no, no, no. no. And, it was in the back office. <laughs> right. And I just want to make the point that, you know, none of these companies 
these are game companies, they're model companies, a lot of talented people there, but they do not have a crack team of engineers working on anything. <laughs> like <laughs> they do not have a laboratory back there. They do not have uh, prototypes of new spray cans. Uh, any of these companies are no contracting spray cans out from the same companies that make Krylon. Like, <laughs> um, again, all all tinfoil hat, but I'm imagining where GW spray paint spray paint came from is, you know, a, a bean counter at GW talked to a bean counter at a manufacturer, and the bean counters exchanged uh, a, a shopping list. And the, the people that right. make the spray paint say, okay, you have three choices for the sheen. We can use a different medium to do glossy, semi-gloss, or matte. You have, here are your choices yep. for pigments we can use. We can use one of the, one, either this nozzle or this nozzle for fast or slow paint release. And do you want the quick dry solvent or the regular dry solvent? And the person at right. GW checked the appropriate <laughs> boxes and there was the special formulation for GW models was made. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's... Uh, no, I, I totally believe that they tested out a couple of variants. And, you know, uh, Duncan's weird cousin who doesn't get to be on TV got to, like, test out the different <laughs> variants of, uh, of spray paint. Yeah. They're like, yeah, this one's, this one's pretty good. They're like, okay, we're going to call it a 100% match, Okay. And and maybe there was one right. nerd. Maybe That's there was catchy. one nerd who's like get a little bit itchy, and he's like, eh, "It's more like a ninety-two percent match." Like, okay, we're, we're gonna call yeah. it a hundred percent match. Okay, like I, I don't know about yeah. that. Like, okay, thank thank you for your help. Uh, we're gonna print the labels now. <laughs> so, I've I've tried that hundred percent match before, and it mostly matches. So you're not far off. <laughs> Is that is that what Army Painter? I think that's Army Painter, right? The the hundred yeah, Army match. Painters is all the hundred yeah. percent match, and they sell the hundred percent match paint, which sort of makes sense. It's like if you're putting the same stuff in the aerosol can, you yeah. know, it's not that different. And maybe at full opacity, it is exactly the same in every way, but you can tell a little bit. There, sure. I don't, it's probably more of a texture type of a thing you know, reflectiveness of whatever mediums in there that's doing whatever it's got to do. Sure. So and, I wouldn't call it a hundred percent though. And I mean, different spray paints absolutely are going to have uh, different sheens, different finishes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of them are going to spray faster than others. And so, you know, there, there is kind of a, a set of properties that are going to make it easier to get a good prime or not. And I'm sure that, mm -hmm sure that games workshop relabeled like the correct bottle of Krylon paint in order to, to make their line. Right. But, uh, I just have or a real tough have to time like <laughs> buying into <laughs> just such obvious marketing spin like that. It's yeah. I mean, a $20 can of spray paint is real hard, right. real hard to justify. Right. You know, I, yeah. I like supporting, you know, my local company that's, you know, local business that's selling that can. And uh, in general, GW, I like their products and I want to support them. But if you put mm -hmm. that price mm -hmm. tag on a can of spray paint, it invites uh, a healthy dose, uh, dose of skepticism. And I am skeptical. Yeah. And 
I mean, I have to admit, I, I don't use that can of spray paint because I will never buy a $20 can of spray paint. And so I, it's not that I've right, done thorough testing right? on my end here. Like the, that, that test will never happen because I will never buy a bottle of $20 spray paint because then I'm that guy. But, um, sure. My, my tin foil hat is, is telling me that's Krylon with a nice label on it. Like that's, that's what I'm getting. There are people out there that would do this testing. Mm-hmm. Other people, better people, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> people with a little more money <laughs> spend $20 on a can spray paint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I have bought some of the Army Painter stuff, which it's not $20. It's more like 12 Okay. And that's pushing it a little bit. Well, here's here's a question. Where where is the line? I mean, eight, honestly, eight, like when it comes down nine. to it. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Like something under $10. Right, right. You know? Because like I bought I bought some uh, whatever the green is, like Nurgle-ish green. And like it went match. real quick. Okay, of course. Yeah, 100% yeah. match. I bought the paint. Like, yeah, but it went so fast like i painted a handful of things and i mean i've had i've had three dollar bottles of spray paint that have lasted forever that i've painted Mm -hmm. you know like hundreds of goblins you know that that have been primed using (laughs) rust-oleum right right (laughs) that like look totally fine after they've been painted nothing wrong with them the details all there not that goblins are you know detailed but you get the idea yeah, I mean, again, I think it's just spray paint, but um, there's a, there's a reasonable point there in terms of difference between other types of primers. Like spray paint can come out fast and coat a model fast, mm-hmm. and if you're and if you're in control, that can be a really good thing. If you're uh, if mm-hmm. your control isn't great, that may mean that you put on too much paint and run out of paint too fast. Um, but an airbrush is nice because you can, you know, it takes longer to prime each model, but you get a you get a really thin or appropriately thick coat of primer on there and there's a lot of control same with uh same with brush on um where you get you get the paint exactly where you want it which is kind of nice of of those i I guess where we're landing on all of this uh i think both of our personal favorites is airbrushing on our primer i I think that's just where we're landing on all of this but yeah yeah i mean if you have an airbrush then Yeah. yeah that's the way to go Okay, cool. We do that one. We got that question. I think we answered that question. All right. If uh, you would like to pose a question to us, you should head on over to our YouTube channel. It's YouTube slash Paint Bravely the podcast and leave us a comment. Check out the videos that we have and interact with us just a little bit. It's fun. So I think we probably pretty much answered that question. Although, although there is one last thing on here. That he he asked, um, and it was tips and techniques on improving while you're getting older, as a painter. Okay, not sure um, that we're the the people to ask necessarily. Yeah, yeah. th. Why are you asking us? Um, do we? <laughs> am I so old to your eyes? Like, um, it, it is possible he could. Well, I don't know. Either he's really young, or he's older, and and I don't know. That's true. No, we can we can do a little bit of spitballing here. Um, 
So I, I feel fortunate <laughs> in that everything is still working for me. Uh, my understanding of this hobby is that um, kind of eyes and hands are the most important things. And then, you know, to a lesser extent, just being able to to sit in one place for a long period of time. So, you know, any, any back or hip issues, you might want to think about that. But mostly eyes and hands. Um, and so whether it's an age thing or, or some sort of other ailment, just being able to to get that in order will give you a good shot. So lighting, posture, um, finding a way to brace everything together so that you're shaking as little as possible. Um, at any age, take care of yourself from day to day. So sleep, caffeine, alcohol, any of those things. Be aware of kind of the inputs on your body uh, on a day-to-day -day kind of level for just being able to be uh, comfortable and pain-free and not shaking. Um, so for myself, I drink coffee, but I know if I drink too much coffee, I'm not going to be painting eyes that day. Uh, and right. <laughs> I mean, that's not to make, that's absolutely not to make light of anyone who does have a problem with steady hands. Like that's there are there are things that all of us can do at any stage of life to uh, make things better or worse. And so just being aware of those. And if you are planning on painting, don't drink that second cup of coffee if, if that's something that you know affects you. And if you're not sure if that affects you or not, pay more attention to it. You know, see how it goes. Um, yeah. But you, no, might be, you might be messing it up and not even realizing it's because of that, you know? Yeah. But I think for a lot of these things, kind of the the proactive thing you can do to to make the most of what you've got is get your get your painting set up set up right. You know, find find the posture that's going to work the best for you. For me, I'm most comfortable leaning back in my seat, and I have got my elbows on my rib cage, and I've got my uh, you know palms pressed together, and I paint that way. And for me, that maximizes comfort minimizes shaking it gets the model in a place where i can see it pretty well um so for me that that works uh, how, how do you paint casey well i mean for the most part when i paint i'm painting on camera and it's probably not the most sustainable way to do it i have to kind of lean sideways like i've got my wrists on the side of the table so my hands are pretty much together mm -hmm. um also using a painting handle like, especially if you, if you shake at all, like that, having that as like a kind of a, a grounding that's actually a really thing good to point. hold and, and it's yeah. holding the miniature. Yeah. It, it works incredibly well. Even if you don't have that problem, it, it helps you be more steady. So, I mean, I think I can definitely speak to that. Um, yeah, that's but a like really posture good point. wise, yeah. I'm probably pretty terrible at that. <laughs> yeah. When I'm on camera also, I'm, I'm not in the posture that I prefer to be painting in. And so actually when I, when I yeah. do need to paint eyes or something, I don't know if anyone's noticed this in my YouTube videos, but a lot of times there'll be like a cut and all of a sudden the eyes will be painted on my model. And the reason for that is... I, I noticed, Brent. Okay. All right. So that's something where... <laughs> right. I skipped them. I hmm. need to lean back and, and like get in my perfect position to be able to do that where, so that my eyes and my coordination and my shakes are all under control as much as I can make them. And in that situation, for, for me, there is no room to be in a bad position trying to get the, the perfect camera shot. 
mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. doing those very fine details. And so, yeah, I, I have found a preferred setup for myself to make the most of, of, of the body that I've got here and be able to get those eyes painted. And for me, that means sacri- mm-hmm. that means not being able to be in a certain not range of that. positions where I'd be able to, yeah. to film where I was doing that. But I still, there's still a way for me to get those eyes dotted pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just avoid that altogether and, and paint them glowy things, you know? The eyes are now just glowing, one color or the other. And that's actually a reasonable point, So I too. guess you could kind of get around that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you can just uh, adapt your painting to do simpler paint schemes. There are ways to paint that mm-hmm. do not require that same degree of, of eyesight or hand control. Um, if you are just putting a wash around the eyes, that is easier to do than drawing in you know, the Solera and the pupil. For sure. Yeah. If you're, if you're just either just darkening the kind of the eye sockets and doing that look, um, and then this is obviously a little bit harder, but you could also, if you are able to pretty much draw in the Solera and then over the top of that, drop a wash in, um, that's certainly easier than trying to draw a pupil um, on, on top mm-hmm. of the, the eye white. Yeah. Um, and then just in general it is easier to draw a dirty or paint a dirty mini than a clean mini um so if your minis have been out walking in the mud that is an easier paint job to do than crisp and clean and factory fresh um yeah there's there's steps you can take uh, again neither of us is yet the perfect person to be answering this mm-hmm. question mm-hmm uh, there are plenty of wonderful painters who are more advanced in their age than than Casey and I. Um, I know, <laughs> for example, uh, Adam from Tabletop Minions has a video on this. Yeah, that's probably that's probably a good place to to check if you're. I mean, assuming around the same age, probably. Um, for now, we're gonna. I don't know what we're gonna do. We're not. We're not quite there. Right. Well, uh, as we get older, we will update our answer to this question, but we, we appreciate yeah. it being asked. So uh, we got through a couple of uh, listener questions today and keep them coming because it's always mm-hmm. it always just gets us started talking about something and uh, who knows where we'll end up. But it's always good to have those little starting points. And, and if in the process we end up addressing your question and helping you in some way, that's awesome. Uh, otherwise it's just fun to talk. So, yeah, well then I, I wanted to do one last thing, like run through a couple of quick comments, I guess, or at least a couple little things. Right. So, so the last time I think we talked, it might've been the time before, um, we talked about some video games and some Kickstarter stuff. Um, DB wants to let you know. That Horizon Zero Dawn is now available on Steam, so you don't have to, you know, dip to my level and play on a PlayStation. Just so you know. Well, DB, I've actually been playing less of any video games now that we have a podcast and a YouTube channel. Actually, that takes up all my time, um, so I might not right. get to the Zero Horizon Dawn 
Say it, Casey. What, mm-hmm. What's the name of the also, game? I'm just going to leave that hanging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to leave it hanging because I think it's hilarious <laughs> you did it last time too. I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> um, so to answer your comment, I'm still not going to play that game, but uh, thanks for the information. Right. Um, yeah. My Steam library yeah. is already overloaded of things I'll, I'll never get to play, but such is life. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, I also wanted to let everyone know that uh, even though the conclusion of, of jumping on a Kickstarter was probably not worth it, I, I did. I bought into a Kickstarter yesterday. Oh. And I'm feeling guilty. <laughs> Anything good? It should be. It's the sequel to Gloomhaven, which is a very successful board game that, that came out a couple years ago. Uh, okay. Frosthaven. Okay. Yeah, we talked a little bit about yeah. that. So it's a little, yeah, there's a little more trust there because it's like they've already done it. You know, they, they seem to have their stuff in order. You know, it went to retail just fine, and it sold many, many copies, and it's very popular. So I feel like it was a little bit safer. It's like more like I'm pre-ordering a game rather than like hoping it's actually going to get made. So, yeah, just a little update on that. You know, see how it okay. goes. <laughs> okay. Um. What else? What else you got? How's your pool table? The pool table. Well, everyone's looking for updates. I know, right? Let's, Actually, let's, most people said we should there. not have talked about your pool table at all, or uh, they ridiculed you sense. for the uh, <laughs> the sales tactic you had <laughs> in trying to get rid of your the pool sales table. tactic. Yeah. All right. Listen. All right. Listen. Is this going to be ten tables? Minutes? Yeah, keep... probably eleven. Twelve. <laughs> I'm just going to go. I'm just going to keep going. Pool tables are heavy. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. They're heavy. And it takes someone with the know-how to take one apart, put one back together, and make it balanced. Do you, do you realize that the pool table has to be flat, it has to be balanced so you can play pool on it? If I were to take it apart, it'd be terrible and it wouldn't work. All the balls would just sink to one side or the other. So no, Is I'm not that your do problem? That. If, if they pay Saggy you balls. and they take it away, is yeah, just, no, no, no. Once that pool table <laughs> leaves your right. house and you get your money, it ceases to be your problem. Um, that's that's a anyway, good point. You, but uh, no, like like people who play pool understand the fact that you need someone to set it up properly in order for you to actually. I mean, the idea of having a pool table at home is so that you can be better at it, right? So when you sure. go out and play pool. Like theoretically, you know, on an amateur team or whatever. Uh, and maybe this is more of just because I live in the area that I do that's 24 hours. And there are teams of every known sport in a bar that you can think of in this town. But like I am having someone come who is an amateur pool player on a team who is paying someone to have it moved and set up professionally. So suck it. I sold my pool table. And it's still and in your house, but that person sport. is going to come real soon and pick it up professionally, probably. Good. That no, no, hard. that's yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so for all of you listening at home, uh, that's part two of Casey's uh, idiotic trying to sell his pool table saga. <laughs> uh-huh, there is at uh-huh. least one more uh, phase of this where Casey hopefully yeah. no longer has a pool table and is able to set up a new studio in his home for... YouTube videos and podcasts and all that. So we're eagerly awaiting the conclusion soon, over yeah. here. 
Nice. And it will be an epic conclusion. I promise nice. you. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah, we're uh, we're slowly upgrading things around here to to look and sound a bit more professional. Uh, so far, so good. As best we can, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully this was enjoyable in some way. Hopefully, you were able to get some painting done while we were nattering at each other. And uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for. We listening. haven't quite gotten to that point of like really getting, you know, just laying into each other about something stupid. So I'm sure it'll come eventually. We're warming up to it, you know. We don't. We don't yeah, want. I mean, to at least start we're wearing the, the same kind of clothes with, today. Uh, arguments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. There's a lot to look yeah. forward here. Yeah. Exactly. This so is... you should definitely. What? I was just gonna say this podcast is going places. You know, I'm I'm glad everyone's getting in here at the ground floor, and you know, stay tuned. We we appreciate you, and uh, we're gonna make this all worth your while eventually. eventually you know yeah maybe so thank you for joining us on another episode of paint bravely if you enjoyed this episode please help us out by leaving us a review on itunes subscribing to the youtube channel and sharing this message with your hobby friends as always we appreciate you for listening we will talk to you next time talk to you next time